0: In the previous verses we learned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the Bani Israel in particular, reminding them of the blessings that were bestowed upon them in order to invite them to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and to the belief in who? The Prophet as well as the Qur'an. Why are the Bani Israel especially addressed? Because they were the previous ummah. They were the chosen people before this ummah. They were the ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had bestowed many favors on and had given them the responsibility to follow the guidance that Allah had sent and also to tell the rest of mankind about it. But unfortunately, they had fallen short in fulfilling it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took that responsibility, that favor away from them eventually. Now in these ayat that we will study today, more favors have been mentioned. In the previous verses, what was said, Udkuru Nimati. Remember, my blessings. In these verses, we are going to learn about what those blessings were. What were those Ni'am? What were those blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon them? But before we study them, a little bit of background is necessary. Who are the Bani Israel? They're the descendants of Ya'qub alayhi salam. I told you earlier that Ya'qub alayhi salam, how many sons did he have? Twelve sons. And one of them was who? Yusuf salam, who was also a prophet of Allah. Yusuf salam was very special. He was very different from the rest of his brothers. And his father, as a result, had a very different kind of love and attachment with him. And his brothers felt jealous of him. They did not like him at all. Out of that jealousy, they threw him into a well to get rid of him, to get the attention of their father. What happened to Yusuf a.s.? He was picked up by a trade caravan. Travelers who were passing by they picked him up, they found him, they felt, oh, how lucky we are. They took him to Egypt and they sold him there as a slave. And when he was sold as a slave, what happened? He was in the house of the minister of Egypt. It is said that he was a financial minister. Allahu A'lam, who he actually was. But anyway, Yusuf salam was in his house as a slave. And we know about his story as to how he was sent to jail unjustly and how he remained there for so long. And eventually when the king had a dream, Yusuf salam is the one who interpreted it. And he also gave the king a solution as to how to save the people of Egypt and the people around Egypt from a seven-year-long famine, drought that was to strike that area. So when Yusuf ﷺ gave that suggestion, the king was very impressed. And he appointed him as the one who was responsible of taking care of the food supplies of Egypt. So Yusuf salam, he was sold as a slave in Egypt and now he was up in the government, a very high position he had. When he had that position, what happened? Eventually his brothers also came to Egypt to buy food from there. And we know about how they came several times and eventually he disclosed to them as to who he was and he called his family to Egypt to live there. Why? Because you can understand Palestine like a village. No worldly success, very backward in a way. And Egypt on the other hand was very successful in worldly terms. This is why he invited his family to come and stay with him. And besides, he had a very good position in Egypt. He was in Egypt, his 11 brothers and his father, as well as the rest of his relatives, they came and joined him in Egypt. So what was their original home? Palestine. How did they end up in Egypt when Yusuf salam invited them? Now, in Egypt, they stayed there for many, many decades, for many generations they lived there. And obviously, since they were brothers of the Prophet, Yusuf salam, so as a result, the locals had a lot of respect for the Bani Israel. But eventually, what happened to the Bani Israel? They drifted away from their religion. They just felt proud about being those on the right path. They just felt proud about being the children of the prophets. And they did not follow the teachings of their religion. And remember that when religious people become corrupt, their corruption is much more severe, is much more worse than the corruption of people who do not have knowledge, who do not have religion. So when they got corrupted, What happened? The people of Egypt, they wanted to get rid of them. They had had enough of them. And we can also understand this in another way, that when a people only take from a society, from a city, from a people, meaning they're just benefiting, but they're not really giving anything in return, then the rest of the people get sick and tired of them. They become like a parasite community just sucking the blood out of the community, taking all the benefits and not giving anything back. And this is what became of the Bani Israel in Egypt. They were very proud of being the religious people. However, they did not benefit the people. Pharaoh and his nation, what did they do? They enslaved them. They subjected them to slave labor. They were not the free people anymore. They were not respectable anymore. Nobody had any respect for them anymore. So as a result, they were enslaved. And you can compare this to our state today as Muslims. We are very proud of being on the straight path. We are very proud of being Muslim. And we say and we believe that we are the ones on the truth. But what do we give to people? We look down on the rest of humanity, but what benefit do we give to them? If we don't benefit the people around us, they're going to get sick of us. They're going to get tired of us. And they're going to take their revenge against us. In the society that we're living in today as well, in this city only, the rest of the communities, rest of the religious communities, how active are they? They have soup kitchens. They have so many different services to offer to everybody. And what do we do? We only serve Muslims. That is if we serve Muslims. We don't even serve our own Muslim brothers and sisters. We don't even help one another. We benefit, but we don't give back. And when a people become like this, the rest of the people take them as a burden. They don't like them anymore. The same thing happened to the Bani Israel. Then what happened? When Fir'aun and his people had enslaved them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Musa alayhi salam for their rescue as well as their guidance. To guide the Bani Israel as well as to rescue them from Fir'aun. And inshallah in the verses that we're going to study today, we're gonna study about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved them, how he guided them, and what was the response of the Bani Israel in return. And as we study these verses, we should continuously examine ourselves. Look at our actions, our behavior, what do we do in return? To the favors of Allah that He has bestowed upon us. So let's study. And when we rescued you from the people of Fir'aun, idh Id gives the meaning of Udkuru is, إذ, meaning, bani Israel, all of you, remember, recall, recall when we bestowed this huge favor upon you, Udkuru Nimati. What is the huge favor that we bestowed upon you? That Nadja'inakum. We rescued you. We saved you from who? From the people of their own. The word Najina is from the root letters Nun Jim Wao, from the word Najat. And what does Najat mean? To rescue, to save someone from a trouble that they're in, from some difficulty that they are in, that they're suffering from. So you are suffering what? Slavery. Hardship oppression at the hands of who fir'aun and his people and we saved you we rescued you from who min ali fir'aun from the people of fir'aun are you familiar with the word al what does the word al mean followers family we say this word a lot and perhaps we don't realize allahumma salli ala muhammadin wa ala ali muhammadin kana ala ibrahim wa ala ali ibrahim al applies to the family of a person but not just the family it also applies to the followers the people of for example the al of muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam who are they just his family no his companions those who believe in him those who follow him until today until the end of time so al of fir'aun who are the al of Fir'aun? They were the people of Fir'aun, the nation of Fir'aun. Fir'aun himself, his royal family included, as well as his armies, as well as his people. And what was their name? They're known as the Coptics, the Qibt, Qaf, ba Ta. Who is Fir'aun by the way? Is this an actual name of a person? Fir'aun is the title. Title of who? Ancient Egyptian kings. The ancient Egyptians, what were they? What religion did they have? They worshipped idols. They were polytheistic people. And they believed that their king, Firaun, was not just their political ruler, but also their religious ruler. They considered him to be God or manifestation of God or incarnation or something like that. They believed that he had some divine attributes as well. So Min ali Pharaoh. we know that Firaun claimed to be Lord, أنا رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى This is what he said, that I am your greatest Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here that we saved you from the people of Fir'aun. Why? Why did we save you from them? Because they tortured you. They had enslaved you. They had humiliated the Bani Israel. They would use them for slave labor, for very hard work. It is said that Fir'aun had a great desire for great architecture. So he used the Bani Israel to construct these huge buildings that were very, very difficult to construct. And if you think about it, the pyramids, and not just the pyramids, but the rest of the architecture that also exists till today, the remnants are there till today. All of that, Fir'aun had built with the use of who? The Bani Israel. So min ali Fir'aun, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved them from the people of Fir'aun, from their torture, from their oppression. And besides, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also saved them from the people of Fir'aun. Why? Because Yasumunakum Su They were afflicting on you the most evil type of torment. Yasumunakum Yasumuna يسومون is from the root letter waw, mim Saum. And Saum literally means Al Rai. What does Al Rai mean? To take animals for grazing. To take animals to a field, to an open space. Why? So that they can graze, they can eat. From the same root is the word saima. Saima. Is anyone named Saima? This name, what does it mean? Ra'iyah, meaning the one who is a shepherd, the one who looks after, the one who takes care of who? Grazing livestock. And in particular, takes them for what? Grazing, so that they can eat, so that they can feed. The word saum. The first meaning I told you, it is to take animals for pasture. So from this, the word سوم is used for pursuing something. To pursue something in order to get it. Similarly, the word سوم is also used for imposing a very hard and difficult task upon someone. Have you ever seen animals working in a farm? Not grazing in a very nice green field. No, working. Have you ever seen them? Like for example, an oxen or a bull, a huge animal what they would do is that in order to grind, like for example wheat or anything like that, they would make a bull walk around the bowl or whatever that it was tied to so that the gears would move and as a result, the wheat would be crushed as a mill. So they would make bulls walk around and imagine the bull is walking and walking and walking and walking for hours and hours and hours. Similarly to get water out, they would do the same thing. Because as the bull would walk, the bucket would fall, and they would set it up in such a way that they would basically work as machines. Have you ever seen small animals, like even donkeys carrying a whole lot of stuff on their backs? I remember once I was in Pakistan. We were traveling, and we happened to pass by a village, and there was a huge cart that was full of stuff. Full. And there was a donkey right in front of it, and he was trying to pull that cart It got lifted up into the air. Why? Because that cart behind him was so heavy that he could not walk anymore. Just imagine. That poor donkey was hanging up in the air. Why? Because the weight that it was pulling was too much for it. He cannot carry it anymore. Animals are used, abused. They're made to do a lot of hard work in the heat of the sun against their will perhaps. Likewise, you were being treated. You were like their animals, their cattle, their livestock that they abused and they made you graze on nothing but what? Evil torture. This is all that they made you eat, consume. What? Evil torture. Su so, from the root letter sin, wa wow, hamza, and su so is anything that could upset a person, anything that makes him sad, whether it causes some financial loss, some tangible loss or intangible loss, anything that upsets a person. And al-adab, we have done this word earlier, Ain dalba. What does adab mean? Punishment. What is a punishment? A punishment is a difficult task or difficult experience that is imposed on a person for a crime that he has committed. But adab in the Arabic language is not just punishment. It also applies to torture. And what's the difference between torture and punishment? The torture is given to even an innocent person, even a person who has not committed a crime. So they imposed on you evil torture, the most horrible torture, meaning it was very, very painful for you to live in that way. And what was this evil torture they inflicted on you? Hard work, slave labor. And on top of that, besides that, what did they do? يُذَبِّحُونَ أَبْنَاءَكَ يُذَبِّحُونَ ذِبْح Have you heard of the word biha? What does it mean? The animal that has been slaughtered. So ذِبْح is to slaughter. And يُذَبِّحُ تذبيح is to slaughter. But how? Brutally. Because notice the word, there is a شِدَّة. So it shows that the slaughter was not ordinary. How was it? It was brutal. It was terrible. First of all, it gives a meaning of how terrible it was. And secondly, it also shows that the slaughter was at a large scale. So in other words, they massacred. They killed, they massacred at a large scale. Bihuna, But who were they slaughtering? Who were they killing? Who were they massacring? Animals? No. Abanaakum, Your sons. Abna' is the plural of Ibn. We read the word Bani earlier. Bani is also a plural and abana is also a plural. And what's a singular form? Ibn for both of them. So they were killing, they were slaughtering your sons. They were killing them how? By cutting off their necks. Just as animals are slaughtered. This is how your boys were being slaughtered. Elsewhere in the Quran we learn yuqattiluna, which shows that they killed them perhaps through some other means as well. Some they slaughtered, and others they killed through some other means. And at the same time, And they were keeping alive your women. ha yā We have read the word يَسْتَحْيِي Don't get confused between the two. That word يَسْتَحْيِي is from the word hayaun And what does حَيَاء mean? Shyness. This word, although it appears to be the same, is from a different word. It has been derived from a different word. And what is that word? Hayat. What does hayat mean? Life. Hayat is life. So istihya is to try to keep someone alive. To spare them. To let them live. So yastahiyuna, they were keeping alive who? Nisa'akum, your women. Why were they keeping the women alive? Because the women did not seem to be a threat to them. And besides, when the men are killed and the women remain, then what's going to happen? Are they going to be protected? Men participate in warfare. Men are the ones who protect their people. So when the men are gone, who's left? Women. And just imagine, the women are unprotected. What kind of evils can be committed with them? How vulnerable they are. Just think about it. And they kept the women alive. Why? In order to keep them as servants in their houses. They kept the women as servants where? In their houses to serve them. So they were like slave women and also servants. And this is a great humiliation for a people. That their race is being wiped out. Their nation is being annihilated. How? By the killing of the men and the keeping of the women. Because women cannot defend themselves. And even when women have children, whose children are they going to be? the Coptic, the Qibt, not the Israelite. In this way, they were annihilating the entire race, the entire nation, the entire qawm of the Bani Israel. Why was Fir'aun doing that? Why did he want to finish the Bani Israel? Because it has been said, Fir'aun had a dream in which he saw that an Israelite would destroy his kingdom, would overcome him, would defeat him. So in other words, he would lose his power and authority at the hands of who? An Israelite. So he decided, okay, finish their race. If I finish them, they cannot do anything to me. So this is the reason why he enslaved them. This is the reason why he inflicted great torture on them. And this is why he killed their sons and kept their women alive. He wanted to finish them because he felt their presence as a threat. Another reason is, like I told you earlier, that when the Bani Israel were there, they became corrupted. And when a religious people get corrupt, they are much worse than non-religious people getting corrupt. The Bani Israel, their scholars, what were they told? That, al الْكِتَابِ You know the book, you read the book, and yet you don't follow it. Yet you commit these crimes. Because a person who has knowledge and still he does not follow it, his crime is greater than the one who does not have knowledge. Then he becomes much, much worse than any other people. He goes farther astray. This is why when the Bani Israel became extremely corrupt, he wanted to get rid of them. He wanted to finish them. And another reason is given as to why Fir'aun was trying to finish them as a punishment. Why punishment? For their believing in Musa when he came. When Musa came as a messenger, the Bani Israel obviously believed in him. They demanded their freedom. But Firaun, we learn in Surah Al-A'raf, ayah 127, that wa qala al-mala'u min qaumi fir'auna attadaru musa wa qaumahu li yufsidu ardi wa yadrika wa The people of Fir'aun they said to him, are you going to leave Musa just like that? while well, his people are spreading corruption and on top of that they don't even believe in you nor do they believe in your gods. So qala fir'aun sat sanuqtilu abna'ahum wa nastahi nisa'ahum. That we're going to kill their sons and we're going to keep their women alive. So as a punishment to show that he had absolute control over Bani Israel. Because he had power, he could do whatever he wanted to. The Bani Israel could not defend themselves, he abused that power. Just because he could kill them, he killed them. Just because he could oppress them, he oppressed them. And many times it happens that just because people have some authority, what do they do? They oppress other people. For example, there is a little child can he fight against you? If you slap him, can he slap you back? No. If you yell at him, you scare him, can he take revenge from you? So many times, people, they abuse children just because they can. Just because a child cannot do anything in return. And this is exactly what Fir'aun did. He was proud of the position that he had, of the power that he had. Allah says, وَفِي And in that, owe you all, Thalikum, what does ذَلِكَ refer to? ذَلِكَ refers to the torture that they suffered at the hands of Fir'aun. What was the torture? Yusumunakum su al abnaakum wa nisaakum. In that, O oh you all, was what? Banaun, a trial, a test. It was a great test from who? Mirabbikum from your Lord. Arzimun, very great. Azimun over here is a description of Bala'un, meaning it was a great, great trial for you all. What was a great trial? The torture, the oppression of Fir'aun. The word Bala' is from the root letters bala, wow. And Bala' is used for a test, a trial that is very, very severe, meaning it's very difficult, it's very intense. And secondly, the word Bala' is also used for a trial that could be through difficulty, and it could also be through ease. It could be through something evil, and it could also be something good. Have you ever heard money is a test? Money is a big test. But isn't money good? Don't you like it? Don't you benefit from it? Yes? So, bala is a test through something evil as well as something good. Through difficulty as well as through ease. So what does it mean by bala then? How was this torture a great test? Understood. The torture was evil, so it was a very difficult test. But the good meaning, where does that come in? How do we understand that? Some scholars have said that wa fi dalikum thalik, does not only refer to the torture, the oppression of their own, but secondly, it refers to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala saving the Bani Israel. That in their saving, in their najat, when Allah saved them, that was a great test. How can your rescue and your saving be a great test? How? That are you grateful or are you ungrateful? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved them from Firaun, that was a great test. Because the Bani Israel were being tested now. What do you do? Are you grateful to Allah or do you forget the favor that Allah has bestowed upon you? What do we learn from this verse? That we are being tested all the time. When a difficulty comes in and when a difficulty goes out. When we're suffering from a difficulty and when the difficulty has passed us. At the time of difficulty, what's the test? Do we remain steadfast? Do we remain hopeful? Do we have trust on Allah? Do we seek His help or not? And when the difficulty has gone, when the difficulty has been taken away, what's the test? Are we grateful? Are we thankful? Do we thank Allah for His saving us, for His protecting us? Or do we forget His favors? A very important lesson that we learn from this verse is that being saved, being saved from the torture and persecution of an enemy, is that a favor of Allah? Is that a nirma of Allah? It's a huge, huge blessing. That Allah has saved a person from the torture that he was suffering, from the oppression of other people on him. It's quite possible that the oppression that a person faces today is not at the same level as that of Bani Israel, which they suffered at the hands of Fir'aun. Any other oppression that a person faces at the hands of others. Other people not giving rights to him. Other people being rude and harsh to him. You know, for example, it's quite possible that you go to a school and you have that very mean counselor or very harsh teacher. That the moment you see that counselor, the moment you see them, you start getting nervous it's quite possible you have faced that bias, that hostility, that you go to work somewhere and every time you walk in, you know that they treat you differently because of your hijab. If Allah saves you from them, if Allah protects you from them, takes you away from that situation, that's a huge blessing. For many of us, before we came to this country, perhaps we were in a country, in a place where our lives were in danger. If we remained there, we wouldn't know we were gonna see the next morning or not. We perhaps feared the safety of our lives, the safety of our children, the safety of our wealth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His favor, took us out from there and brought us to a place that is safe, where we are secure. So being saved is what? A huge blessing of Allah. And we must never ever forget that. We must never forget that. We must remember our past and be grateful for our present. Because it happens to us. That as soon as our situation becomes better, it's as though nothing happened yesterday. It's as though we forget the favor of Allah and we become very arrogant and we become boastful as if it wasn't Allah's favor on us but our own achievement. Another very important lesson that we learn from this is that Allah is the one who takes us out of difficulties. Allah alone is the one who takes us out of problems. Think about it. A person could be in difficulty for only a day or two, a week or two. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes him out. And another person in a similar difficulty is stuck there for how long? Two years, three years, five years, ten years. So if you got out of that trouble before the other person, Allah is the one who saved you. The Bani Israel, when they were enslaved and when they were being persecuted, it was as though there was no hope. In a country, in a place where there is democracy, in a place where people can stand up for their rights, where they can advocate their rights, their human rights groups. Okay, if a person is suffering, can he at least voice his concern or his rights? Can he do that? Yes, he can. But for the Bani Israel, who is going to lobby for them? Who is going to advocate their problems? Who is going to go seek revenge for them from amongst people? Nobody was. Even the wealthy amongst the Bani Israel had turned against them. For example, Qarun was from the Bani Israel, and he was very wealthy, he was very powerful. But you know what he did? He left the Bani Israel. He didn't care for them at all. Instead, he was very oppressive. So, Allah alone is the one who takes us out of problems. And this also teaches us a very, very important lesson, that no matter what difficulty we are in, never, ever give up hope. Never, ever lose trust in the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah can save you. Allah can rescue you. He can take you out of your trouble anytime. Even if it seems impossible. Think about the Bani Israel. Their sons being killed. Women are alive. Families are torn apart. Enslaved, tortured, humiliated. No rights, no safety, no security. Allah saved them. So we must also expect help from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And never ever lose trust in Him. A very important lesson that we learn from this verse is that when a people are suffering from some difficulty, this is in fact what? A trial from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we are going through some difficulty, what do we do? We blame other people. See, the Muslims are being treated in this way. It's a conspiracy. All of these people are turning against Muslims. This is what we say. We blame other people, we blame individuals, we blame governments, and we say, oh, it's conspiracy, it's this, it's that. But we never think about it. Why is this happening? Who allowed this to happen? Any difficulty, any test we're going through is in fact a test from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if it appears to be coming at the hands of the people who are in front of us. For example, a person might say, my mother-in-law is the most horrible woman on the planet. She's very harsh with me. She's very tough with me. She never spares me. Okay, but think about it. Why? When we're in a problem, you know what we do? We just focus on other people. It's because of her. Only if she could be out of my life. Only if I could move away. Only if something would happen to her, my life would be so much better. But you know what? This is happening to you for a reason. Someone allowed this to happen. Who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because apparently it was Fir'aun who was torturing the Bani Israel, isn't it? But Allah says, in this was a great trial from who? Allah put you in this test at the hands of Fir'aun. Question, why are we tested? Why are we put in difficult situations? Why? For many reasons, for various reasons. First of all, remember that life is a test. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an that الَّذِي خَلَقَ al وَالْحَيَاةَ أَيِّكُمْ Allah has created death and life so that He may test you as to which of you are good in their deeds. Every moment is a test. If it's not one test, it's going to be another. Remember that. If it's not one test, it's going to be another. If it's not one trial, it's going to be another. Ask any person in this world, are they free of problems? Are they free of challenges? No, even the most happiest person faces challenges. Even the most comfortable person faces difficulties. The most wealthiest people face difficulties as well. The person who could be the fifth richest, or the fourth richest man on this planet could also suffer from cancer. Every person, every single human being. So it's a part of life. Accept that. Difficulties are a part of life. This is why we are tested. And why are they a part of life? Because we learn from our difficulties. We learn from the trials that we go through. It makes us a better person. And besides, it's an opportunity for us to gain reward. If you didn't have a headache and you weren't patient, would you get reward? If somebody wasn't mean to you and you did not forgive them, would you get reward? Would you get the same reward without going through that experience? No. So difficulties are a part of life. Why? So that we can gain reward. So that we can do something to prepare for our hereafter. Secondly, another reason why we are tested. Sometimes it is because of the crimes that we have committed, the sins that we have committed, the mistakes that we have made, the errors that we have made. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran in Surah Al-Shura, ayah number 30, that وَمَا أَصَابَكُمْ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِكُمْ If you have a stomach upset, you wonder, what did I eat? Isn't it? You don't say, Oh Allah, why is this happening to me? You know that your stomach is upset as a consequence of something wrong that you ate. Similarly, if you're having a problem with someone, it's quite possible that it's a consequence, it's a result of something that you did to them. Something that you said to them. If you do bad on a test, it's a consequence of what? Perhaps you're not studying properly. So, Difficulties, trials, what are they? A consequence of our own bad actions. Third reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us, why He makes us go through difficulty in life, to shake us, to wake us up, to make us realize our reality, to make us reflect on our actions, on our behavior, so that we may change ourselves before the final day comes, before the last day comes. Allah سبحانه ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an that, وَلَنُذِيقَنَّهُمْ مِنْ عَذَابِ الأدنى دُونَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَكْبَرِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَذَكَّرُونَ That certainly we will definitely afflict on them minor punishment before the major punishment. Why? So that they can take a lesson. They can check themselves. They can analyze themselves. Doesn't it happen with you? You fall ill, you hurt yourself and you wonder, what did I do? Did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Why did I fail this test? I studied hard. How come this happened to me? Why did I hit my car? What did I do? Was I arrogant when I was driving? Immediately what happens? You begin to reflect on your actions. So Allah puts us in difficulty. Why? To shake us, to wake us up. Realize what you're doing. Seek forgiveness for the wrong that you have done. Fourthly, the fourth reason why we are tested. To elevate our ranks. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us so that He may elevate our ranks. He may give us a higher rank in His sight, in the hereafter, in paradise. If you think about it, all of the Prophets of Allah, were they tested? Yes. We know about the life of the Prophet Wasallam. He suffered so much persecution in Makkah and in Medina also, so many difficulties. Any kind of difficulty you can imagine, he had it. Similarly, Ibrahim, he had to slaughter his own son. He had to leave His infant child in the middle of the desert, where there was no water, no grass, no trees, no people. Yusuf alayhi salam, he was thrown in the well. Yaqub alayhi salam was deprived of his son. Ayyub alayhi salam, he had wealth, he had family, he had a healthy body. All of that changed. His wealth he lost, his family he lost, his health he lost. All the prophets of Allah, they were tested through difficulties. Why? Is it because they were sinful? We cannot even imagine that. Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested them? Because they were patient. When they were patient, Allah rewarded them. When He rewarded them, their darajat were higher. The Prophet said, the most in their suffering among the people are the prophets, then the best, and then the next best. In other words, people are tested according to the level of their righteousness sometimes. They're tested according to the level of their righteousness. So, difficulties, trials, tests in life, they're not for no reason. They're always for a reason. Any difficulty you're going through, reflect on your life, reflect on your actions, reflect on your thinking. Am I grateful? Am I ungrateful? Am I obedient? Am I disobedient? Do I give the rights of people or do I deprive them? Do I obey Allah or do I disregard His commands? Do I submit or do I object? What do I do? I need to change my ways if I want my life to be better. And the thing is that improving yourself does not mean that the problems will go away. Improving yourself means that it will be easier for you to deal with the problems. Yaqub a.s., Yusuf we can't imagine that they did something terribly wrong, so this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished them. But what happened? They were able to cope with the situation. Imagine Yusuf salam he was sold as a slave. If you and I, something like this happened to us, what would we do? What would we do? Think about it. We would rebel. We would scream. We would shout. We would fight with other people. We would hit them. And we would try to escape. We would do one thing after the other. We display impatience. But Yusuf salam, what did he do? He displayed patience. He became a muhsin. When something bad happens to us, we do more bad. Saying, oh bad was done to me, so this is why I am doing it. Yusuf salam, the people in the prison with him, you know what they called him? A muhsin. Someone who is very, very good and kind and nice. Can you imagine someone in the prison is being described as a muhsin? So when we're going through a difficulty, what do we need to do? reflect on ourselves and fix ourselves which will inshallah result in either ease or acceptance that will make the problem easier to deal with wa